Hey everyone, it's your host, Dubs Weinblatt, here with another incredibly special episode of Thank You For Coming Out. And this week's guest is the one and only Adam Rippon, who you may know because he's a world-famous ice skater. Something you may not know is that he's also an author of a memoir titled Beautiful on the Outside. It is hilarious, it is heartfelt, and we have a copy for you. All you have to do to win is hop on over to Instagram, follow us at Thank You For Coming Out, and that's it. Wait to hear if you've won. We will randomly select a winner next week and we will alert them before the following episode drops. That's it. Like us, follow us on Instagram at thank you for coming out and then you are eligible to win Adam's book. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dub Swineblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During our show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have our storytellers share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this particular episode is different because we were recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically, socially distancing. So that means we're not in the same room, we're not in our studio, um, and we don't have our regular audio equipment. So it might be a little different than what you're used to hearing, um, but we are doing the best we can with what we have. And I am so thrilled to introduce our guest today. He is the host of an awesome YouTube channel, author of the heartfelt and funny book, Beautiful on the Outside. Winner of Dancing with the Stars, um, was a, on a panel with me and just the nicest person in the whole world, <laughs> and history maker by becoming the first openly gay man to represent the U.S. during the Olympics to win a medal, Adam Rippon, he, him pronouns. Hi, Adam. Hey, Dubs. How are you? I'm so excited to, that we finally get to do this. We've been talking about it for a while, so I'm so glad it finally worked out for us. I know. Me too. How, how are you doing? What's, how, what's going on in your land, in your world? Um, you know, I, I, you know, with all of this going on, it's so funny. It's like, sometimes I feel like I'm doing great and I'll get a ton of stuff done. And then on the complete opposite, then I feel like I could be medically adhered to my own sofa. Um, so it goes back and forth, but I think for the most part I'm doing well. I feel really lucky because I have like a roommate, so I'm not by myself and, um, yeah, it could be much worse, but it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. 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 How are I, you doing? Yeah, I, you know, same. I also have a yeah. roommate, so that feels really nice to, like, have, you know, someone to, like, hug and look at. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yes. Like, not through yeah. a screen. So, yeah, but, yeah, it's it's up and down. But, mm. you know, have, getting to have these, like, awesome conversations has been a source of joy and light for me. So that's nice. Well, you are a source of joy and light, so I'm so glad that we get to chat. Oh, my gosh, you're too nice. Um. Okay, so I asked if you could bring something that reminds you of pride. So I would love for you to share with the class what you brought. So what I brought is my Team USA pride um, ball cap. And um, I love this ball cap because I remember growing up 
And I, I think when you're an athlete, there's a, a lot of talk of you don't know if people are going to be accepting of you. And it can be tough, especially in a judge sport. You feel like if someone doesn't like you, um, you know, they might judge you differently, which would, you know, basically change the course of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember in, the, in my like last year of being competitive, they had these hats and, um, it was pride month and I saw some of like the bobsledders just wearing them. And I was asking them like, where did you get the pride hats? Um, and, um, one of them just bought one for me and gave it to me as a gift. And I, it was just a really powerful moment for me because they were wearing it for their friends, um, you know, because they were just, you know, supporting their friends during pride month and, and, and that they went out of their way to buy one for me. And it's, I think so many athletes feel that they might not be accepted. And it was something that was so small and it was just a hat. Um, but it was something so small, but it was really meaningful to me. So I actually almost never wear this hat because I don't want anything to happen. To yeah. It. Yeah. Um, but it was, um, you know, I think, in sports, you have the opportunity to, to really be judged by the kind of things that you bring to the table. And, um, I think you should be defined by the, your work ethic, um, the way you treat your competitors and the way you treat your teammates. And, um, I, I, that should be how you are perceived from the people around you. And in, in that moment, I, I just felt like so accepted by the people that I was like, you know, training with. Wow. That's so powerful and incredible. And that's such a lovely story. Um, oh, sorry. I feel like you're just about to say something. I was going <laughs> to, all I was going to say was that, yeah. you know, I, growing up, I just, I think that sometimes people feel that like sports isn't a place that like LGBTQ plus people might feel welcomed. Um, but I, I think that if queer people go into that space and don't feel like they will be judged for being queer. Um, if they, if they let go of that fear, they will open themselves up to so many more opportunities. Um, and they can lead, lead with who they are as a person first. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm just like, I'm, I'm looking through my, my notes and I, it was an interview or something I read where you said something too, like, once you were out, you were able to genuinely perform and show your, like show the judges who you really are. And that's, such a, an important message that you're saying then and in that interview um, of like when you're not able to live your authentic self and bring your full mm. self, like people, whether or not they're conscious of it, can feel that and are aware that like there's something holding back. And so I love that you're able to, that you're able to bring your full self. And I think I read too something like you hadn't performed better than after coming out and like being, being yourself. You know, when I came out, I just felt really confident in who I was. And that translated even more so than just being able to perform and show people who I was. But that confidence came into play when I would get together a training plan or would get together um, ideas that I would have that I would want to uh, go forward and, and try out. Um, I would go to like my team, my coaches, the, my trainers, and I would be like, what do you think of this? And I would come forward with ideas and plans. And obviously those ideas and plans have nothing to do with me being gay. Mm -hmm. But when I was out, I just felt so, I felt like 
in that, in those coming out moments that I had, because there's no, I feel like so many queer people, there's no one moment that you have where it's like, and then everything was different and I never needed to do it again. It's like, (laughs) it's a continual process throughout your life. Um, It's really scary, but I, I think queer people have this like amazing opportunity because it's a a life affirming moment Mm -hmm. where like you gain this sense of self that that so many people never have. You have to share something so personal and you have to share really yourself with like the whole world in this one moment, even if it's just with one person Mm -hmm. and you have to share something so intimate that like you gain a lot of confidence from it. Mm-hmm. And you start to worry less about what other people might think of you because I don't know about in your case, but in my case, I was so consumed of what other I thought other people thought of me that I didn't realize that everybody was thinking the same thing, whether they were LGBTQ plus or not. Everybody's worried about what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started to feel more confident and more comfortable in my own skin, I felt like I was in way more control of my whole entire career and uh, and of my life in general. Mm-hmm. That's so empowering and such a like, I love that. So I know you just, you just mentioned that we all don't have just one story. So, but for the purpose of this podcast, what is, mm-hmm. what is the one story, the one coming out story that you want to share with us? Well, I, you know what I mean? Like you, you, there's different times you have to oh. come Yes. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Um, we're seeing yeah. eye to eye on this, on we this are. Uh, Zoom call. We're seeing each other. Yeah. We're seeing each other. We are together on this. But I feel like there people do have like one pivotal moment where mm-hmm. it's like the first time or it's like the biggest, you know, you come out to your family. For, for me, I remember... Um, the, there was, there's like a one or two moments that I remember very specifically. It was the first time I ever had a guy flirt with me and I flirted back. Mm. And it was the first time I thought, oh, wow. Okay. I, <laughs> I definitely am gay. And that was like my first coming out moment to myself. Obviously, like I knew I was gay, but it was just something I, I never even tried to explore. I just, and I had my like skating career to just be like, I'm focused on that. I don't have time for a relationship. I don't have time for any of this. So I'll just, I'll deal with all of this later. And, um, I had that moment. And then I think when I came out to my mom in the parking lot of like of a rink, she was about to like go back to the airport and fly home. And I remember I was like, before you go, I do, I need to talk to you. And I told my mom in the parking lot. And, um, I remember my mom's reaction being like, you were inside me for nine months. Like, I know I was like, okay, well you could have saved me 24 years of grief, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, my sister said the same thing. Not, I mean, she didn't carry me, but, um, she was like, honey, I know, or sweetie, I know. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, at least in my case, it's like trying to be affirming by being mm. like, I know. And like, that's like a great, it's better than get the fuck out of my car or my house. Of course. Yes. But it's like, but I've been trying to hide this for my, this whole time. And who you else knows? You have imposter knows? syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, um, wait, so I want to go back to the, the first, the first guy flirting with you. Okay. So like set the scene. How, like, how, what was your relationship with this person? What did it feel like? What did he say? What did you say? Um, 
Okay. So for direct quotes, I don't remember exactly, but the scenario I remember was that like, he was a friend of a friend that I trained with and he was like from out of town. So I didn't really know him. And I think that sort of lowered the stakes for me too, that it wasn't somebody I was going to have to see all the time. Um, and uh, this guy, he was just really friendly. And I thought he was just like really funny and really friendly. And I just sort of thought it was just, it was just that, that like, oh, we're just, we're just joking and whatever. But then um, when I felt like he was kind of flirting with me, I started kind of flirting back with him. And I remember like, once we had done this back and forth, I realized like, oh, I'm flirting with a boy. Mm. Like, there's no, like, if you read these text messages, you'd be like, this is absolutely flirting. (laughs) You can't deny what's happening. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember thinking, like, in that moment, um, just like, oh, I think I really like this boy. And then I remember all flashing through my head was like, there was like this small handful of friends where I was like, I need to say something to these people. Mm-hmm. before anything ever happens with this boy. Cause I wouldn't want them to find out after, especially if I was like, you know, nothing had happened yet. Mm-hmm. How did that handful of people, how did they react? Well, I mean, it was, you know, like you had just said, it's almost disappointing mm-hmm. when someone says, yeah, we know. Yeah. Because you feel like you've done such, I mean, I did. I felt like I had done such an excellent Meryl Streep level worth acting. <laughs> yeah. um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you realize that everybody just kind of assumed and guessed and you feel like almost disappointed in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this almost guilt that you feel like your friends or the people you're telling are going to think that you lied to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to just, like if you're in the closet or, or, or if you're thinking of coming out to someone and you're afraid that they might think that you, that you've lied to them, it's a guilt that like you have to just let go because everybody's coming out process is so, so different. Yeah. And I think too, with, with the trans community, people are like, why did you hide that from me? Or why are you like, you're deceiving us? And it's like, this is like part of my personal identity. That's none of your yeah. business. I'm just trying to live through the, you know, make my way through the world. And it's so challenging because people, you know, people want uh, But I, 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 I would imagine as, like the trans community and in, in being non-binary, it comes with its own. I, I just, I, I know what being gay feels like. I don't know what that, what that's like, because that experience is, so it's it's different the feelings that are all surrounded are so similar mm-hmm. but it's it it comes with so many extra layers of like why did you lie to me mm-hmm. but when really you didn't know yourself like it's it's just a it's a journey to figure out like why do i feel different and everyone's journey is so different yeah yeah I want to um, I want to circle back to something you said because I think it's really important. Of um, when you were you were talking about like coming out and having to like answer questions and you're like, or, I'm I'm paraphrasing now, but mm. with more confidence and um, like you, a better sense of self because you've had to like go through and like assert who you are to folks. And I just I want to, I don't know. I just, it's so, it's such an important notion of like self-discovery and whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or not, 
mm. of really, and other conversations that I've had with folks, um, especially during the pandemic, have really had to like sit with themselves because there's nothing to distract them. So it's like all of these things are coming up for them. And it's like, I, like, I, I get that that's challenging. And I'm also like, I think that's good that people are going to start thinking about certain parts of their identity that maybe they weren't allowing themselves to think about. And that will lead to hopefully more positive interactions with like with themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I just felt like after I had come out that um, I always had this sense of like, I wonder if they know that I know that maybe they know that I know. <laughs> and it was this back and forth that like, I just spent so much energy on. And when I realized that that energy just wasn't there anymore, it had cleared up so much space in my aura. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was such a, I was a lighter person. Um, I just w walked around with like my shoulders back. I was more confident because I didn't have this back and forth of every interaction I had with someone if they thought something that maybe I thought that they were thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, I didn't realize how consuming and how, how much energy it took until it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And, and once it was gone, I realized that I had more space in my life to be more confident and that, you know, decisions that I wanted to make or opinions I had, I could put them out there. Even if, you know, somebody disagreed with me, I could still believe in what I thought or I could change an idea or, or use their idea and combine it with mine. Like it didn't mean that I wasn't smart or anything, but like everything I had done, I just put myself down almost to the point of like, don't stand out too much so people don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like a really common thread on these, these um, conversations of trying to like make ourselves smaller and like, am I enough or is this okay? Um, and I love just, I love having these conversations with folks of like hearing the before and the after and like the like proof of like asserting yourself and asserting your truth and like what that yes. can do for yourself and other people. Well, you know, I remember being at, like, even just being at the Olympic games, I remember just a lot of the talk. I just don't think that like, um, I think like as a cis gay boy, I was out, like the designated role for me was always to just be the, like a sidekick of someone mm. or like the, the best, like the best friend. Um, and I think when I was at the Olympics, I just, I wasn't. And I was like, I don't need to be someone's best friend to be validated or to be like my own entity. I can just be myself. Like I feel really good in my own skin. I feel like a star. I can still be, I can be a star on my own. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that like, it was for me in my own experience of being a cis white gay person, it was the first time I had ever been in an experience that I felt like, a gay person was like the, the star of the, their own situation that it wasn't, they weren't like the best friend or they, they weren't something to like dumb it down. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I feel like I just felt so power. Like I felt so in control in the moment at the Olympics. Um, but it was like a, a culmination of a lot of work I had done on myself and a lot of situations I had been in and a lot of like 
really believing in who I was and knowing who I was as a person that kind of culminated to having those moments. It wasn't just, I showed up. I was like, I'm here, I'm queer and I'm a star. It was, (laughs) I wish it was that easy, (laughs) but it was a lot of like knowing that like the way that I trained so hard and the way that I treated other people and, and, you know, things that were so important to me, I stuck to my values and stuff. Like it was those things that made me feel really confident. Yeah. That's um, something that I, it's, it's not often that I get to like read someone's book and then interact with them in a way that I like get to, got to know you a little bit. And, mm. and like seeing you on the street that one time you were, you, you really, you aren't just saying that you live your values. You actually live them and I'm, I can feel them. And um, you're just so compassionate and just so lovely. And I'm, I'm wondering like, because you, you kind of just touched on it now, but I want to dig a little bit of like, like growing up and like skating is not easy and like all of the the challenges um, and like hurdles that you and your mom like went through to like train for you to train. Um, that takes a lot of resilience. And I think it's like adding resilience to like your values and your, you're the type of person that you are. I'm wondering if you can like think of any skills or that you gained from those hurdles of like training and being broke and eating apples from the gym and like those kinds of moments that like map onto resilience as being a a gay man. I I think that the, um, the one thing that I remembered was that like, I just felt like not good enough so many times as a younger person that, um, I remember there being a few times in my life, people sort of like me feeling really down and someone kind of extending their metaphorical hands to me and helping me up mm-hmm. or just kind of giving, giving me a boost or, or just trying to make me feel, they went out of their way to make me feel good about myself. Um, and I, I remember those people and I, I wanted to always be that person for someone else. I never wanted to be the person that felt like they were excluding someone or, or didn't make somebody feel special when they had the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people who made me feel special when I, like I had the opportunity, when they, you know, the people who made me feel special, that was so monumental in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, that I want, I just wanted to be able to do the same thing. And it was like those moments that, 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 that became like a virtue of like how I live my life mm-hmm. of that. Like I wanted to treat people the way that like I wanted to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to feel like when they like run into me or whatever, that like I'm giving them 100% of my attention and 100% of my energy because I know how it feels to not get mm-hmm. that. Um, and it sucks. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, definitely not. And and listen up, people. Adam's not just saying it to say it. He is such a sweet, sweet person. So, um, so I'm wondering, have how? I mean, I think I know the answer, but just to wonder, since gaining this big, this like major platform that you have now, have you found it? one, like harder to stick to those values because maybe people want more from you or, and, or you don't have time to stick to your values. And, or can you think of an example of when you've really uh, been able to 
um, use your platform in a like a really awesome way to help someone else? Um, no, it's been no harder to stick to my values. I, I think like, because they're just, it's just ingrained in, in, um, it's just ingrained in, in who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that one is that like, uh, you know, being a skater, uh, my world was so small. It was just within like the skating community of people. Um, but now it's, it's opened up and I get to meet so many new people and so many, and have so many new experiences and, and learn so much from other people that, um, you know, it just, it's, it's just been really, honestly, it's been like the thrill of a lifetime to be able to meet other people and kind of share my own experiences with them. But the, the, the way that I treat people will never, it's just, it's so important to me because, you know, I I just, I think we all have those interactions with people where we were like, that was strange. Like that wasn't great. And I never want to have an interaction with somebody like that because it's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and that this is like way before Olympics or anything. It's just, it just, uh, nobody likes to feel like somebody is putting you down or making you feel less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, switching gears a little bit. I want, I want to quickly talk about your book and I ordered one copy and I actually got three, but my dad, <laughs> my dad has one and he loves it. And I told him I was interviewing you. He's like, how can I watch? I'm oh my like, God. Yeah, it's a podcast. Have you not been listening the last year? <laughs> oh well, we stand your dad. Yeah, we stand Phil. He says hi. Um, so what like what made you decide to write a book? It's so funny. The time the amount of times that I laughed and cried are like so many. It's just oh, it's amazing. That's so sweet. Um I wanted to write a book because skating had been such a big part of my life for so long and I knew it, it was ending. Um, especially like the competitive part. Um, like I just, my identity was almost wrapped up in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to be able to process everything I had gone through, but I also felt like I had learned so much about myself and I had so many lessons and I felt like, I feel like the whole point of sports is that you challenge yourself every day and that when you come away and you've given 100% take it or leave it. Um, whether it's the, the best or not, you can always walk away and be a champion. And I think so many people in sports get lost in the winning, mm-hmm. um, that they lose the whole concept of what it's all about. And I wanted to share what I learned. I wanted to share my own experiences. I wanted to share my shortcomings um, cause I think the one thing the Olympics does it, 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 it introduces you to people and you feel like, well, they've never had anything go wrong for them. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely wasn't the case for me. And I didn't want anyone to think that that was the case that, you know, I had tried to go three times before I finally made it. And by the time I made it, I was 10 years older than everybody else who was on the team with me. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, you know, the, like the odds weren't in my favor, but as soon as I got out of my own way, I was able to have these rich experiences and I've been able to take those lessons kind of throughout everything I do. And, um, I wanted to be able to share that with people. That was the most important thing. And I also, I wanted to, you know, 
pull people down and bring them back up to like my level. And I wanted everyone to like laugh with me, laugh at me and just Mm -hmm. take down that barrier of like, we're all on the same level. I'm telling you my story. It's just like, it's, I think that like, I always was inspired by other people who um, were just let it all out and and bared their soul. And I wanted to be able to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, you did because you talk a lot about pooping, (laughs) which is very funny. Um, a <laughs> poop joke never gets old. It never gets old. We're told we're taught in improv to stay away from poop jokes, but every once in a while, a poop joke should make its way onto the Absolutely. Stage. Um, so when I read your book, I underlined and starred things. Um, and I just want to read one thing because it just meant so much to me. Um, actually two things. Um, one was I couldn't believe I was not only out, but allowed to totally be myself, which is the best and only way you should represent your country at the Olympics. Um, just wanted to put it on the podcast. It just, it's so, such a great, you know, being able to, that I think the notion of being allowed to be yourself is something mm. that like really struck me of like, where do we find the consent or where do we find the permission to be ourselves? Um, so it's internal. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all, have we given ourselves that permission? And we feel like sometimes we aren't worthy of it, um, but we all are. And mm-hmm. we're the ones who are in control of like, whether or not we are allowed or not. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, um, and I think for, for, for many people, even though like that's the actual truth, mm. I still feel like I have to like see it in someone else first, like a... Mm. Like to be like, can, is this something I can do? And then if I see someone else doing it, it's like, oh, I can do that. And the, I have only have one instance where I can think of where I gave my own self permission first and it was to have top surgery mm. um, without being on hormones. I yeah. know other people. And so I didn't know that it was possible, but I was like, you know what, this is something I need. And so I gave myself the permission. And so I try to hold that feeling with me moving, you know, moving forward of like, kit doesn't matter if no one else has done it or that I'm aware of it. Right. It's like, I, it's within, but it, that's a hard thing to learn. I mean, that takes a lot of courage mm-hmm. and it just takes, and it takes just bravery. And I think from your perspective, you're probably like, you know what? I just, I went in, I did it. I came home. It's over. Um, and, and you walk away and it was a lot, it, there was less drama attached to it. And you, and you, you put a lot of that, those doubts and worries in, 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 we, we put them in our own minds. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes I think we look to see what other people have done and that's where we get our permission from. And if somebody Mm -hmm. hasn't done it before us, it almost feels like, well, is that allowed? Of course it is. We can, we have to blaze our own trail. Like we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we have to do our own things. Like if you believe that you are smart, that you make good decisions, like make those decisions. Don't, don't be consumed with waiting to, don't be consumed with waiting for permission. Yeah. And it's, you know, that visibility is so important because like imagine all of the, the kiddos seeing you at the Olympics and like seeing themselves and it's like, oh, I can do that too. Like, that's so special. I'm, have you had like people reach out to you and say, I see myself in you. Like, thank you for coming out or, you know, that kind of thing. I, Shout out to the podcast. Right. (laughs) I think um, one of the, uh, 
biggest things I remember was uh, right after the Olympics, I was on like a skating tour. And um, I remember there was this young girl and she came up to me and she was super cute. She had a big jacket on, had rainbows all over her jacket. And um, she was just so excited to meet me. And that was that. Maybe a minute or two later, there was a woman who came over and she said, did you just meet like a young girl in a big jacket with lots of rainbows on it? I said, yes. She goes, I just want to say thank you because that was my daughter that you just met. And she had been incredibly depressed and she wasn't talking to anybody and she didn't have any friends and she was young. She was like maybe nine or 10. Um, and she said, uh, we watched you at the Olympics together as a family. And, um, after she saw you at the Olympics, she sat us all down and told us that she was gay. And, I think just seeing you at the Olympics changed her whole perspective of gay people of that. It was okay. That like, she was like, we were all cheering for you. We were just all so excited. And I think it like, it, it changed everything for her because she came out to us maybe like a week after the Olympics. Um, She wanted to watch all your videos on, you know, of all your skating performances, but she was like, it was the first time that like, and she's like, she's a completely different person now. And that, like, I still almost get emotional thinking about it. It's just like a, it's, it's just to be able to help people in that way of really like when I went out there, I wasn't like, I'm going to represent my community. I was like, I just selfishly wanted to just be myself. And I feel Mm -hmm. like from focusing on myself, I almost in a way was helping other people to give them the same sort of permission. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is bizarre to think about, but it's, it's really, it's beautiful for me. I, I mean, I love it. I think it's some, like maybe one of the greatest pleasures in my life is to have conversations like that with people. Yeah. God, that's, that is such an amazing story to have and like an experience to have had. And, um, not to, I mean, obviously not to that extent, I'm not on national TV, but, um, international TV. But I have like in the work that I do with like teaching and traveling, I when people come up to me, they're like, I never knew a genderqueer person before. And like, I see myself in you. And like, that is like a similar feeling of like, I'm so happy that I can. It's not a similar feeling. It's the same <laughs> feeling. Because yeah. like all of our um, interactions and experiences, they're all relative, but the feelings that we get to them are the same and they mean the same to us. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, I, I think that that, that experience that you have is exactly the same experience that I can have. It just, when someone comes up to you, it's such a powerful moment that you just, they saw a little bit of themselves in you. It's mm-hmm. like, that's, it's so powerful. And you know what that, you know what that's like, you know exactly what that's like. Yeah. So that that's reminding me of like a ring of keys moment. Do you, mm-hmm. do you do you have a ring of keys moment where you saw yourself in someone else? Okay, so my ring of keys moment. I don't really. Uh, I think I tried to think about this um, before um, I called in of what would my ring of keys moment be, and 
it was hard because I really didn't see myself in any sort of like queer person growing up. Mm-hmm. I think I saw myself um, in different, I think like female comics. Sometimes mm-hmm. I saw a lot of myself in them. Um, and I, I, that's where I got, found a lot of my like joy growing up of watching a lot of like stand up. like Sarah Silverman was a oh. huge thing for me. And she's yeah. such an, yeah, I love, and she's mm. such an ally to the community. And mm-hmm. I know for that, like in the third season of the Sarah Silverman show, it was picked up by Logo because she had um, these two characters that basically they were essentially just like roommates, but they were married husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, and with them, it was the plot line of them being husbands was so not the forefront of the show um, that just that whole show experience was almost like my, my moment only because like, being gay on that show was just not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's why the Sarah Silverman project was such a bit, it's such a defining moment of my life because they were gay characters and they, and them being gay was like completely irrelevant. It was just like, Oh, those guys, they're just married. Like, like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, they weren't the like joke or the topic of conversation. They just were part. They weren't the, the yeah, they weren't the token queer person on a show. They were yeah. just two guys that were married that were neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that show. And Tig, of course, is. I mean, are you kidding? Tig Mataro? Yeah. Like gag me. I love ni- her. She's the nicest, the funniest. I got to meet her once and she also was just super duper nice. Um, okay. So we're talking about celebrities and you have a, sh- a new show coming out. I do. Called Useless Celebrity History. Uh-huh. Um, it's on really- <laughs> Quibi. Woohoo! Woo, yeah. Quibi! Oh, I saw that you were on Las Culturistas. Um, I was. That's so fun. They are fun, fun people. I I <laughs> love Bowen and Matt so much. I mean, I, oh, I met them for the first time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I love following them on social media. I think they're hysterical. I think they're so funny. Um, and, uh, I mean, getting to do the podcast with them is, is so great. And, you know, I think I, I mean, I, Matt has a show on Quibi as well. It's called game show. Mm -hmm. And, um, Bowen is obviously he's on a a cast member of Saturday night live. Um, and I remember when uh, like, uh, Bowen was announced as that he was going to be a cast member. I remember I sent him a message and was just like, it's just so amazing to see somebody take up space in a space where maybe they in the past wouldn't have been accepted. And I was just like, it's just, it's just so amazing and so inspiring to see yourself in somebody else's experience. So I, I, I think like getting to talk with them was just so, it was so great. And they're hysterical. They're so funny. They're so funny. Bowen was in the first, thank you for coming out live show um, in 2015. So like, and he, he did it for a few years before he um, moved on to, you know, SNL, but, um, yeah, yeah, just so funny and smart. They're both just so lovely. So smart. Oh my God. They're both so smart. Yeah. Okay. So tell, tell us about useless celebrity history and, um, 
because I, I know that you have just, yeah, I'm going to stop talking. Tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so useless celebrity history, you know, we, we, today we talked about like, you know, personal and serious things. So useless celebrity history is absolutely not that. <laughs> um, so we're on the daily essentials platform and, um, every day that the show comes out is, um, correlates with the day that the episode comes out. So um, we, you know, we're doing a sneak peek because this was before the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're doing, we're just releasing the episodes that we have done. And then um, when we have the chance, we'll get back into the studio and start filming again. Um, uh, So basically we're going to be covering basic stupid things Things that will make you laugh, things that will make you feel nostalgic. Um, we're get, we have a lot of really fun people coming on the show that we've done episodes with already that we're planning to do episodes with in the future. So it's um, I, I've had so much fun so far, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to just enjoy seeing these episodes. And it's just, it, you know, I think right now especially, it's just you need an excuse to go and laugh. Yeah. Um, and and Quibi is they're quick, short episodes. They're they're very fun. I think people are going to enjoy the show a lot. Are you able to like tell us some of who the guests are? Um, I guarantee that like you will find some of them very, you will laugh when you hear what's who some of them are. Okay. Well, I will, I will wait for it. I mean, okay. I, I can see Susan sent me and so I can see, but I didn't know if we should say them out loud. Well, if she sent them <laughs> to you, then I think it's okay. Okay. Then you say it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then I'll be the one that gets in trouble. Um, yes. Lindsay Lohan. Are you kidding me? Yes. Oh my God. I wish I, yeah. So we, oh. Lindsay, so, I mean, obviously that's a throwback uh, and she's so current today. You know, we love Lindsay Lohan, but I mean, to get Lindsay kind of epitomizes like us growing up. Like she was in every movie growing up and she had music coming out. So be able to, to like do something with Lindsay was fantastic. Oh my God. Uh, did you talk about parent trap and did you do the handshake from it? Like, well, so we didn't get to do the handshake. Obviously we talked about parent trap, but we were talking about her music and stuff. Cause she has a, a new song out now. Um, and I wanted to know about living in Dubai. And so a lot of updates from the Lilo team. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I won't, I won't th- there. I have other names, but I think everyone should just wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be on the inside. Um, so like in thinking about like, cause I, I remember reading in your book that you were always had like an affinity towards like celebrities and um, like that world. And I'm wondering if there's like, um, like what, if there, if there's like an attraction for queer people to celebrities, like not sexually, well, maybe sexually or mm. just like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know. Do you kind of see what I'm asking? Like, yeah, I do. I think, um, you know what I think it is? I think it's like when people like celebrities or big people, um, 
I think that they present themselves as confident and powerful. And I think that like, those are a lot of things that queer people don't always feel. And that's maybe why we're attracted to them or attracted to divas or have this like diva worship because it's all the things that like, we don't feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like I, that's why I was attracted to like those people and, and why that they were a big part of my, my childhood and why they were a big part of, um, you know, my experience growing up. Um, so I think that's why it, it was always something that I found interest in and, you know, now kind of full circle being able to kind of talk about it uh, in this platform that almost feels like talking with my friends, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, really fun. It's really great. Cool. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to move us into our last segment, which is a rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, I'm ready for rapid. There are no right or wrong answers except one and you'll know it when it happens. Um, okay. Pencil or pen? Uh, pen. Acting or singing? Uh, acting. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Meat or veggies? <sighs> Meat. That's okay. Bagels or donuts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, bagels or donuts? Uh... <sighs> Bagels. I love donuts more, but I want bagels now. Okay. Okay. I don't know how the, the right answer is bagels, but you said it, but then you took it back kind of. So we'll let it Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, train or plane? Oh, train. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Coke. Yes. Night or day? Night. And favorite kitchen item? Oh, um... My favorite kitchen item, well, like, okay, this is assuming that I have to use it the most, probably a knife. You are the third person to say knife. The last three interviews, David Burka, Meg Tui, and you all said Re- knife. We all said knife. Yeah. Because I guess it's my, it is probably my favorite because like, I'm not a huge cook, but I, if I only could have one item in the kitchen, I would choose a knife. Like stranded on an island with your knife. Basically, if you're stranded in the kitchen with only one one thing to have, I would choose my knife. Love it. Uh, Adam, you're such a joy and a heart. Thank you so much for being on this with me today. It's so, it's so my pleasure. And I'm so like, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And um, for the folks out there who aren't already following you, what's your social media? How can folks um, learn about you and your Quibi show and all that good stuff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at A-D-A-R-I-P-P. And then you can follow my show on Quibi. It's called Useless Celebrity History, and it comes out on May 4th. Amazing. We will post about it and spread the love. Adam, thank you for coming out. Dubs, thanks for having me so much. Yay. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You for Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.